0: Welcome to Back to the Future Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie Back to the Future one minute at a time. I'm Scott Carelli, And I'm Nick Jimenez. And we are from uh, DuelingGenre.com. We we uh, have the podcast Not Writing There, and we also are two of the three hosts of The Doctor's Companion, a Doctor Who podcast at the TheDoctorsCompanion.net. Um, and now we're uh, starting this this podcast, Back to the Future Minute. Uh, because uh, as far as far back as I can remember, back to the future has been my, my favorite movie um, of all time. And uh, it seems like a fun thing to do. Uh, I'm a big fan of Star Wars Minute, the, uh, the podcast that's been around for about three years, um, where they they uh, analyze the uh, Star Wars movies one minute at a time. And uh, they've done Star Wars Empire and Jedi and they start uh, Phantom Menace in January and I shot them an email and asked if uh, it would be cool if we used their format for this and uh, they said uh, go for it um, under the stipulation that they would uh, get to be guest hosts on a very particular minute which I won't spoil but if you think real hard um, you could probably figure out which minute they want um it's the Calvin Klein scene. Yeah, of course, right. So, you know, we we, we kissed the ring, and, and and they approved it. And The thing that pushed me over the edge was that there was another podcast uh, from the ifanboy.com guys called Goodfellas Minute um, that started up where they're doing Goodfellas one minute at a time. Um, and I was like, oh, other people can do this? So then so then that's when I, I shot them an email and just asked, um, and they uh, gave us the blessing. So here we are, and uh, – you know, definitely go check out those other shows if you can. They're both at um, StarWarsMinute.com and GoodFellasMinute.com, respectively. Also, both on iTunes. So go uh, go check those podcasts out. They're excellent, both of them. Um, but we're here to talk about Back to the Future. And before we get into the first minute, I thought it would be a good idea to sort of talk about our background with the movie. Um, I've been talking for a while. Uh, Nick, what, what's what's your background from Back to the Future? Do you remember the first time that you saw the movie? Do you remember – do you have any, like, memories of watching the movie or, or anything like that? Never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to so watch it for the
1: first time one minute at a time. One so. minute at a time, like a serial, uh, like an old-fashioned uh, – <laughs> this is really no, weird. No spoilers, guys. No spoilers. Yeah. I don't, I, yeah, I don't even – what? Clocks? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, this is sound this is gonna sound kind of uh weird and uh but I actually have a lot I can remember watching the second one first. Oh uh, because it was on it was on television, it was on like HBO or Encore or what have you. Um and so I saw the second one first. That's confusing. It is. I don't know why I did it, but um <laughs> I enjoyed I enjoyed like the beginning of it, you know what I mean? Yeah, where they're like in the year 2015 and like Jaws and you sure. know, unless you got power, I don't want to like go into the second one too much. But yeah, <laughs> let's not. And so I actually don't remember the first time I saw the first one. Like I don't have like you know like you know, I, I can very clearly remember like the circumstances in which I saw like Poltergeist for the first time or like Fellowship of the Ring for the first time. Right. But Back to the Future is kind of more like Star Wars where. By the time I started developing memories, it was already there. Sure, sort of like um, the iconography was always there. Um, so, I, but I've since sat down and watched the movie numerous. I actually had the pleasure of uh, of seeing it in theaters for the first time uh, last summer uh, with a friend who had never seen it before. She was like, "Oh, I I know like Johnny Be Good and and you know like The DeLorean, but I've never seen it." So I was like, dude, like we got to go. So we went to go see it like that Cinemark series thing that they do. Yeah. And you know, watching it in the theater is kind of like watching it for the first time because you really start to admire the effortless like blockbuster swag of the movie. Yeah. Um so yeah, but it it's a movie that Scott and I bring up anytime we we or were we're writing a, any kind of project, be it a screenplay or a a script for anything like Back to the Future will come up yeah. eventually. I guess we um, should
0: probably point out that we're we're writing partners. Yeah,
1: yeah. Scott Scott and I are writing partners. We have been for almost half a decade now. <laughs> uh, um back when the thing was uh watching shows episode by
0: episode. Right. Now it's watching a movie minute by minute. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, Meteor so, so my, my my Back to the Future background is actually kinda weird too, because as far as I can remember um, you wanted to be a gangster yeah as far as i can remember <laughs> good post minute uh <laughs> as far as they already did that minute um no. <laughs> as far as i can remember uh i i believe the very first ex- back to the future experience i ever had was at the opening of back to the future the ride oh um i i'm pretty sure that My dad took me to to that ride before I knew what Back to the Future was. And I just remember him describing it and just being like, yeah, you know, you you fly in this car that's a time machine. And at one point you go back to the dinosaurs and a dinosaur eats you and spits you back out again. And have you ever ridden the Back to the Future ride? I've never been to uh, that uh, is this Universal Studios? Yeah, it was Universal Studios. I've yeah. never been. Oh, okay. Well, um, uh, so there is, there is a part where that happens because the whole idea is that you're, like, chasing Biff. I'm sure that at some point we'll end up doing a, a show about Back to the Future the Ride because there's a – um, they have, the like, the videos are up everywhere. Um, oh, cool. Because when they retired the ride, Universal, like, put the ride footage up so that it was, like, available for anyone to watch. Um, so – uh, yeah. So I was like five, I think, cause I believe that opened in 1990. So I think it was like five, maybe six. And, um, uh, for those of you uh, doing the math at home, yes, that means I was born the year that back to the future was released. Um, so no. I remember going to that ride and I remember, being like five years old and not really having a firm grasp on reality so when my dad when my dad told me that uh there was a part in the ride where like that you're gonna be in a car and it's gonna it's a convertible and it uh you're traveling through time and a dinosaur is gonna eat you and spit you back out and that just sounded like why would anyone want to do that? And that sounded <laughs> like the most terrifying prospect I've ever heard. And so, you know how in rides you have like you have like the exterior queue and then the interior queue, and then on some rides, especially like the the hydraulic-based rides, there will be like a a pre-ride segment Um, where you sort of, like, get all the safety information and everything before you actually get into, like, the the ride portion. Sure. Well, I was in that portion, and it was like, oh, you know, be careful of this. And it was making all these Back to the Future jokes about ridiculous things that could happen to you in this DeLorean, (laughs) this convertible DeLorean. And I flipped out, like – I don't I don't think I've ever had that big of like a freak out when I was when I was a kid. Like I flipped out. That's really interesting I, to me
1: because you're such a kind of earnest disciple of the art of the theme park
0: ride. Oh yeah. Well, and I think it all really comes down to this moment. The moment yeah. where this this theme park ride was so convincing to my 5 or 6 year old brain that I was scared of it, like terrified that it was real and that, like, I was gonna die because just because the dinosaur eats you doesn't mean it's gonna spit you back out. Of course, yeah. Right. So, so I was terrified and I, I w- didn't ride the ride. Like, I, I went to like the little, there's like a little daycare for like scared kids. Um, that most, right? Yeah. That most rights have. Yeah. A- and, of course, uh, that, I, I lived there. Yeah. And, and so like I, I just went to that and waited for my dad to get off the ride. And he was like really embarrassed and it was a whole thing. But, um, I remember that moment. And so then when we got back, I believe my dad was like so upset that I hadn't ridden that ride. Cause it was like the whole reason we went to the park was because he wanted to share the experience of riding this ride with me. And so then he was like, okay, maybe it was a bad idea to take you try to take you on this ride before we actually watched the movies so now we're gonna watch the movies and it was like a sunday or a saturday you know and then we just watched all three in a row i think on LaserDisc, if i'm not mistaken did you go back to the park that same day no 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 no. because we lived far away from orlando um where the ride was but we went back i think the next year because we went to a theme park just about every year um because my parents were divorced so i would see my dad over the summers you know so we would usually go to a theme park like every summer um and then i think we went the next year and then i rode it and it was like I it's like the greatest ride um sure like i i love that as as far as like dark ride thrill ride kind of hydraulic based rides motion motion uh-huh. rides i don't know what you call yeah. those i'm sorry that i'll never get to go yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sad that I won't ever get to go again, because um, it's the Simpsons ride now, which is weird, um, because apparently Back to the Future was outdated, but the Simpsons wasn't. I whatever. Sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I it it does it it's weird though, right? That Universal Studios is they they change their whole thing where they're like ah these rides are outdated. Um, so let's change them. And it's like, but you're Universal Studios and those are all your big movies. Like, what do you yeah. have now? Like, people are like, what? They're going to be like the Pitch Perfect ride. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so or you I like, have to never, never mind. I was about to make a joke because they got rid of King Kong. They got rid of Jaws. They got rid of Back to the Future. They got rid of
1: Jaws. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, see, I've never I've never This is so off topic. I've never been to any of the big theme parks. Okay. Like, I, I've never been to Disneyland, Disney World, Universal Studios, none of them. I, the, the only thing I've been to is like Six Flags because I'm from Texas. Sure. Uh, and like Hurricane Harbor. But so you and I are like, I've had none of the theme park experience. So whenever these past like six years of friendship, whenever you bring up anything, I'm just like, I have no idea. But it sounds cool. <laughs> well,
0: all right. Well, one day we're going to go to a theme park together.
1: My dream is to go to uh, to Hogwarts.
0: Yeah. I mean, that was that was really fun. Um, you would love that. I would cry. Yeah, we we should. Yeah, we should go. That'll be fun. And then do a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um. So anyway, <laughs> so that's that's my first experience with with Back to the Future. Is that I was too scared to ride the ride, and then my dad <laughs> was like, "Maybe we should watch the movie so you can understand." Because I think you realized that he was just describing everything to me, and that I had no. Frame of reference. Yeah, no frame of reference. So he was just like, yeah, you're traveling through time in a convertible and a dinosaur eats you. I remember there was this
1: uh, Batman uh, show at Six Flags. And you go in and it's like, you know, it's like a, it's like an amphitheater kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, the Joker's like, hey, <laughs> welcome to the jungle, baby. You're going to die. And then like Batman <laughs> comes in and like <laughs> and like beats him up. Yeah. But I knew who Batman was, but I can only imagine being like a little bit younger and being like, okay, there's this psychopathic clown that's going to try and kill us, but <laughs> this other psychopath is going to like drive into the theater and beat him up. And we're going to watch. <laughs> is that like one of those stunt shows? Is that what yeah. Yeah. It was definitely, that was, yeah. yeah. And this is right around the time of Batman Forever. So it had like that Batmobile.
0: Oh yeah. 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 Good old Six Flags Over Texas. Good old that. Yeah. I've been there a few times. Where Bugs Bunny and Batman can just chill out together. Yeah, it's true. Um, all right, well, uh, yeah. So, so I watched those movies and kind of became obsessed with them, and they became sort of my go-to movie to like watch at at any time when I was when I was young. Um, sure. And uh, you know, I remember going to my grandmother's house a lot um, because that's where I would go. When my dad was working, it was like my own personal like daycare kind of thing, and uh, I would go there, and I would just I would come with the three Back to the Future VHSs, and I would just watch them over and over and over and over. Again. Which one was the most beat up? Uh, definitely the second one. The second one was my favorite of the three when I was a kid. Um, now it's 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 uh, oddly enough, it's actually my least favorite now of the three. Yeah. Um, well, because it's the worst movie. Yeah, I mean it is. Um, but we'll we'll talk about Sorry, that guys. much much later from yeah, now much later um like a, like 117 minutes from now mm-hmm. um but yeah so that that was always my favorite one but it was really like you said it was really the the 2015 stuff uh yeah. because everything after that like i think i will say i think that movie had a lot to do with my understanding of like complicated plots um sure yeah i i think that it I really think that movie had a, had a large hand in like forming my brain and the way that it works to process yeah. stories. Or
1: like your, your litness for convoluted plots is much
0: higher than the average movie goer. I would say so. Yeah. And I think it's that movie's fault. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah. So uh, then, at, at you know, once I finally got sort of a discerning taste and realized how good back to the future was um, it sort of just became my favorite movie. Yeah. So that's uh, that's that. And, and and like you said, yeah, we bring it up all the time when we're writing. Um, we talk about uh, the setups and payoffs and all of that stuff because and foreshadowing and all of that, yeah. which, you know, and it's funny because, you know, this is my Back to the Future is my favorite movie. And Edgar Wright's my favorite director. And both of them do setups and payoffs and foreshadowing and all of that stuff. Um, yeah. And. It's so interesting, but like looking at Back to the Future, like watching it in the theater last year, and you, and you recently saw it with an with an orchestra. I did, yeah. I went to the to the orchestra thing where they where they played the the score to the movie in time, like in sync with the movie yeah. as it played, which was uh, incredible.
1: But it's such a you know before going into a minute by minute, you know, while doing an overview, it's one of the kindest, sort of most gentle blockbusters that we have. Yeah, I mean, you look at like you know man of steel or even even a good movie you know like like, uh, <laughs> like 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 age of Ultron or you know people are getting murdered and like buildings are crashing and right. the apocalypse and no like if it's my understanding not to get in spoilers but nobody permanently dies in back to the future I don't think
0: think so i think you i think you're right it, it it i mean that's the reason why two and three i think are not as good as this first one because this first one stakes are i gotta make sure that my parents fall in love like yeah it's, it's, it's mess, just like they're just yes. the, it's just the sweetest like hug of a movie plot you know yeah whereas the second and third ones are more like uh, my dad's dead and I got to figure out why and ha- how that happened. I got to stop it from happening. And then the third one is, oh, doc is dead and I got to figure <laughs> out why and I got to stop it from happening. Um, and, and, you know, they raised the stakes in the, in the second and third one, but they it made them sort of mere movies. Yeah. Yeah. And but back to the future, like there's
1: no guns. There's no, there's very little like, you know, and, but it also
0: feels like an adventure, right? But in just the smallest way, like, that, I mean, we'll get to it, but, like, the biggest fist-pump moment of this whole movie are two, uh, two supporting characters falling in love and kissing. Yeah. That's crazy. That, like, Back to the Future is a movie that could not be made today, period.
1: No, because it's like, well, where's the... Well, where are the stakes there's no
0: stakes right right exactly where's the stakes they're emotional stakes okay where's but- the
1: prophecy that marty was always meant to be like the traveler <laughs> oh god or like in his like if back a- to the- <laughs> hashtag if back to the future was rebooted yeah or like if, if like if like kurtzman and orsi wrote
0: back to the future you know <sighs> that just that just gave me like like a cold chill sure <laughs> <laughs> Oh god! Like Jai,
1: like Jai Courtney as as
0: Marty McFly. Oh no! All right. Well, let's talk about let's talk about a terrible what if situation. Let's <laughs> the Back talk- to the Future Part Two of yeah. Uh, let's get let's start talking about the movie. Um, this preamble will not be part of the show going forward. Just so no, we know. won't. We won't. We won't go this much into prologue every time. Right. Just for the first episode. Um, so here we go today. We are going back to minute one, which starts with the Universal logo and ends with a clock. Several clocks, in fact. Um, So starting on that Universal logo, that Universal logo, which I am a big fan of, um, it's sort of like the one that feels like movie magic to me. Yeah, because it's it's so lush and like – yeah grainy you know yeah yeah and i love it and what's funny is i associate it with 80s movies but what's interesting is that i found out the logo was actually created in 1963 so at this point that logo was 22 years old
1: yeah but it feels so specific to like films of the 70s and 80s or the 80s
0: yeah it does it does like it just it reminds me of of amblin movies really yeah which which is it funny because you know well well doesn't the Amblin logo remind you of Amblin movies? And yeah, and it's like eh, not really. It's kind of the Universal ones. Yeah, like,
1: yeah. The Amblin logo just whenever I think of the Amblin logo, I just think of like like the Goonies or like ET. ET. Yeah. Well, of course, but yeah. Wait, did the did ET have the Amblin logo on it? That seems a little bit like I don't. It, I doubt it. Probably it seems not. a little bit self serving. It was probably created after that. Okay. Um, Do they know even back then?
0: Yeah. But okay. but yeah so this this universal logo just like feel it it feels like yeah these kinds of eighties blockbuster yeah. movies like if you if you and
1: I are ever lucky enough to like make a movie for Universal I would love to like bring back that logo
0: oh yeah that would be that would be really cool especially if you were do we were doing a throwback kind of thing what yeah, was, was Super like, Eight made for um was it DreamWorks
1: yeah I want to say it was like DreamWorks.
0: God, it would have been so cool if that had been Universal.
1: Yeah, I remember it had the Amblin logo, which is really cool.
0: Yeah, that was cool. That was super yeah. cool. Um, super ape. Yeah, I I I love Universal, uh, just because of all of the the history of movies that they've done. And it's, it's you know, insane. and they take chances. They like, do. They do. They're having
1: a they're having a great year right now. And they don't own you,
0: any superhero properties.
1: Yeah, that's what's so dope. But if you remember back in like two thousand and ten. When like Scott Pilgrim versus the World came out, I remember reading in like the trades, like what's Universal doing? They're crazy. They're gonna, they're never gonna have a hit again. But now, yeah. like you know, five years
0: later, they're they're on top. Could you imagine if Scott Pilgrim had blown up and become like a cultural icon, and there was a Scott Pilgrim versus the World ride? Oh my gosh, that would be amazing at Universal Studios. Oh man, you
1: just you just you live the opening credits.
0: Yeah, just uh, what a man crazy i i love i love Universal. universal has made like all of my favorite movies yeah like you really you forget because you know
1: the average moviegoer doesn't really care or doesn't really notice like what studios but it's kind of like if you look back and you if you don't know what like sub pop is but then all of a sudden you look and i'm, I'm not comparing universal to sub pop but like you're like oh whoa like this studio is weirdly responsible for like a lot of why I enjoy the things that I enjoy, or like the movies that I love. Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, so after the Universal logo, uh, which was retired in 1999 and replaced with the 75th anniversary logo, which was the logo that was used through the 90s. Uh, so <laughs> movies like Jurassic Park and um, Liar Liar and stuff like Land that. Before Time. Uh, I the think sequels. Land Before Time was 89 or 89. well, that
1: well the sequels had the one with the little remember the little plane guy.
0: Oh yeah 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 that's right. Like, I remember Hey that. Yeah. Look <laughs> at know. me But the the one with like the big um the big build up music, you know? Oh, yeah. And like you you it starts off with
1: Yeah, yeah. It starts with
0: like cresting the horizon, you know? Have you that, ever seen the video of uh if that happened in real life?
1: No. Okay, I'll, I'll have to show you, but it's like what if like that logo was just part of like a day in the world? Oh man. Anyway, yeah. Um
0: so so yeah so that. So oh, Super Eight, by the
1: way, so sorry, Super Eight was paramount.
0: Ah, that's right. That makes sense. Okay, um, so yeah, so that that this Universal logo uh, was retired in in 1990, and that 75th anniversary one started up after that. Um, and does that mean been, that um, it's been sort of variations of that one ever since? Really. Sure. Yeah. Um, um it's been pretty close to that one.
1: Does the three does it is Back to the Future Part Three the only one that doesn't have that new that that classic universal logo because if i'm not mistaken was that 1990?
0: Yes it was and i believe you're right but i believe if i'm not mistaken back to the future 3 has the uh the 75th anniversary logo that start that goes through like the history of the universal logos. If okay, I'm not mistaken. Cool. Um which was just i believe that particular one just came with all the movies that came out in 1990. Right. And then after that, it just did the new one. So it, it, if I remember correctly, it did like two or three old school Universal logos and then like <laughs> as like a preamble to like the brand new 1990 <laughs> Universal Welcome logo. Welcome to the 90s, know.
1: bitches. Yeah, right.
0: Right. Exactly. Um, So uh, so there's that. Um, All right. So then the next credit is Steven Spielberg Presents. Which is uh, basically a credit for his executive producer role on the movie. Um, And, you know, obviously its connection to Amblin Entertainment and all of that. You got your Um, Gremlins, you got your... Right. Uh, Before this, before Back to the Future, Steven Spielberg had executive produced Goonies, Gremlins, Continental Divide, which was a John Belushi movie written by Lawrence Kasdan and then Zemeckis's uh two previous films, used cars and i want to hold your hand. Uh he did not have anything to do with romancing the stone. Um yeah. But but th- so those are the those are the ones that like Steven Spielberg presents came before uh uh before back to the future. After back to the future, obviously that became a staple of things. It's now it's like Steven Spielberg pre- presents Transformers 4. Um, yeah, it, it so. almo-
1: it, 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 unfortunately, it almost, you know, Spielberg is still at the top of his game. I mean, you know, Lincoln and... Um, Bridge of Spies looks great. Yeah, Bridge of Spies looks really great, and I'm a big kind of war horse. But, like, unfortunately, like, you know, from executive producer Steven Spielberg, it just is really doesn't have that that promise of adventure that it used to.
0: Well, because now you're right. Now it says from executive producer Steven Spielberg, it doesn't say... It doesn't say anymore. Steven Spielberg presents, which is yeah. a very specific thing, you know. You're like, hey, welcome. Right. It's a different. It's a different thing because Amblin, um, Amblin Entertainment didn't feel like a studio. DreamWorks is a studio. Yeah, like Amblin always felt like a workshop. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, also interesting to note, uh, which will well, well you, well, you know what? I'll save this. We'll save it. Um, I'll come back to that other thing. Okay, so uh, then we get a film by Robert Zemeckis. Um, this is his fourth film, uh, as mentioned before. His previous three. His first film was "I Want to Hold Your Hand," which was like a, a Beatles kind of movie. Um, Never I'm, seen it. It's about Beatles, like these girls were Beatles fans and they want to meet the Beatles. Um, it's uh, it's 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 fun. It's cute. I like it. Sure. Um. It's just that it's uh. It's it's hard to watch because it isn't really available on any modern device. Oh, I mean, like it's hard to watch, like physically. No, 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 no. It's just not available. It's like not on. I don't think it's even. If it's on DVD, it's on a really like early DVD. Sure. Like it's it's uh it's not. Where one of the special available.
1: features is like a bio of the cast and crew. Right. Yeah. Something
0: like like a text bio that you can't yeah. read because the
1: Robert Zemeckis directed. six days seven nights (laughs) um then uh used cars which is i which i'm a fan of i think it's a very underrated film i think so too
0: um and it's it's uh, a gem it's a gem for sure and
1: there's a lot to be said about kurt russell's character in that
0: being kind of like an r-rated marty mcfly sure yeah absolutely um both of those films were also written by bob gale uh uh zemeckis's uh Zemeckis is like partner, partner in crime. Um, and then they split off, uh, so that, cause they were having trouble getting back to the future off the ground and they wanted, he wanted it back to the future to be his third film, but they were having trouble getting it off the ground because neither, um, I want to hold your hand or use cars were big hits yeah. and, uh, back to the future would require like a budget and executives who believed in it. Um, and, and it was
1: also like I remember uh, reading that like Zemeckis himself was a little bit trepidatious to ask uh, Spielberg for help because he was like, "Well, they produced my last two movies, right? And none of them turned out like you know, use cars and want to hold your hand weren't that successful. I don't want Bob Gale and I to just be the guys that only get movies made because Spielberg is like our our buddy,
0: right?" Yeah, so Zemeckis went and, and and he was he was offered uh, to direct this movie called *Romancing the Stone*, um, and he he so he picked it up as like a work for hire gig, and went and directed this movie, and it became you know it's it's you know Michael Douglas and Danny DeVito and um, and and so like it's uh, Kathleen Turner, yeah, Kathleen Turner. It became a big hit and uh, <laughs> a romantic adventure starring. Michael Douglas
1: and Danny DeVito.
0: Yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, I I would not watch that movie. I'm sure, especially now. Yeah, sure. Um, so, oh, oh, I I uh, that would be great. Um, I would love that actually. Um, hey, yeah, hey! <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> um, so, of the trash. Romancing the Stone comes out. It's a big hit. And it allows them to go to Steven Spielberg and be like, "Okay, now let's make Back to the Future," and and then uh, that's how we got this. Um, and speaking of Back to the Future, the next uh, the next uh, next credit is the Back to the Future logo. Um, beautiful, beautiful logo designed by Nina Saxon who also uh, he, she went on to design the logos for The Craft and Mrs. Doubtfire and The Little Mermaid, amongst many, many others, um, and then also uh, designed the logos for Forrest Gump and Contact for for Zemeckis and Romancing the Stone, which is where they met. Um, and uh, it's funny realizing that, because, you know, this opens with the Back to the Future logo, uh, whereas most movies nowadays are just the words, like the title, just a title. Sure, yeah. um, There's no logo design or anything like that. Um, so to have that fully formed and everything before the movie, uh, like in time to like put it on the print of the movie is impressive. And
1: um, yeah. And juxtaposed with the silence of the, of the film right now. Right. And the tick you know, tock, the, the, well, yeah. the clock, right. Cause like, you know, you'd almost be tempted, you know, I don't know about, but like, you know, me being, not Robert Zemeckis, I would be tempted to open with like, dun, 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 dun you know, just like yeah. slowly, but it's almost cooler that it's like nothing.
0: Right. Which and is, which s- is yeah. what they did in the, um, in the orchestral thing because they, they added like 15 minutes of mo- music to the movie that wasn't there originally. Um, that was written by, uh, Alan Silvestri. He, uh, He wrote like brand new music for it, including this like sort of uh, like this sweet, soft overture um, for this whole opening credit sequence. Um, So when that Back to the Future logo came up, that's exactly what happened. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So so uh, yeah, in that in that version, you know, it was it was interesting. It was certainly interesting, but it was definitely the kind of thing that works only as an afterthought. Like if you're watching it for the first time, none of that music means anything to you. But if you're watching it like me, who's seen this movie a bajillion times, um, seeing it with that music was really interesting because it was all, all the music was like callbacks to motifs and themes that um, I've heard a million times before, except now they're um, it's, it's softer and different um, and in a different place. So it was interesting. Um, and then we fade in from the Back to the Future logo to clocks. A uh-huh. clock. Um, and then we pull back from that clock and reveal more clocks. And lots of clocks. So many clocks. So many so clocks. Many clocks. Um, Almost as if uh, the guy who owns this garage is, has sort of a fixation on time. Yeah, weird, right? I wonder who that could be. Yeah, Who owns this garage?
1: Judge um, Doom.
0: what uh here's my question uh well you know what i'll save that too i'll save that um okay so clocks we got the town drunk clock that's Uh fun um and then we've got a clock in the background that looks like it looks like a big clock face with with statues of two frontiersmen on either side of it um one of the frontiersmen is sort of like obscured by another clock in front of it in front of him um so i can't exactly tell if that's what it is uh for all i know it could be uh, a woman or like an indian or something i don't know i can't i can't see it back there um but uh there's definitely a frontiersman on the one side of it and it reminds me a lot of the photo that marty and, and doc taken back to the future three um which you know, seems like foreshadowing, but I'm, I, it, it's not because they didn't even know they were making a sequel at same time. It would be
1: interesting if that photo has some sort of emotional significance to either, like, Bob Gale or Zemeckis. Mm-hmm. And that was just like, oh, like, it would, would be cool if we made it look like that photo that we put into the first one.
0: No, not a photo. It's a, it's a clock. The clock, the clock. Yeah. yeah. But, like, well, uh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, to make it look like the clock from the first one. Yeah, that's that's what I imagine, If if anything, if it's not just pure coincidence um i imagine that that's probably what happened yeah um but so uh and then uh, and then after that uh we we sort of like pan up a little and reveal a clock um that is sort of this ode to uh the short film safety last in which the third act involves harold lloyd the star and writer director of of he's like silent films famous silent buffoon. film star um, hanging from a clock tower uh, which is what the third act of safety last is and of course that is directly foreshadowing the third act of the movie um, so where Harold fun. Lloyd comes
1: from the time vortex offering right. to help
0: yeah 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 <laughs> George then... has to marry Lorraine <laughs> well I mean he wouldn't say anything he's a silent <laughs> he, he was unable he was physically incapable of in speech <laughs> <laughs> he would just he would just move his move around and gesture and then, a, and then they'll cut a to a card title would card come up yeah and tell us what he said Hark a vagrant yeah right exactly um so what notes did you have um yeah so the first credited
1: I got to go <laughs> uh the first uh I live in Chicago uh the first <laughs> this should be all the explanation I need uh the first credited actor is uh, Michael J. Fox, and uh, we're sort of all familiar with like the mythology of his, you know, his casting. He was sort of he was he was, uh, you know, he was king, king of the castle, big man on campus at the time with Family Ties. You know, unexpectedly became like the MVP of the show,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, he was actually uh, Zemeckis' first choice to play Marty McFly. But uh, at the time, uh, the producers of Family Ties are like, we can't do it. He's the star, uh, but luckily, uh, co-star Meredith Baxter. Uh, had to go on maternity leave so they, they pushed the film back from 1984 to May 1985 which, is it weird that that feels wrong to me, the idea of Back to the Future being in 1984 I just feel like, you know, like oh 1985, like that's such a that's so, it rolls off the tongue in a way that, I don't know, is, is, is that weird? Am I yeah, weird?
0: well it's because it's a nice round number. Yeah,
1: 1985 we gotta get yeah. you back
0: to 1985 right it's, it's a round number. It, it would have been super weird if it had come out in 84. It's 84.
1: Uh, and so Zemeckis' next two choices for the role of Marty were uh, C. Thomas Howell, who, of course, we all know as the um, the father slash construction worker in The Amazing Spider Man, and <laughs> um, Eric Stoltz, who uh, was recently uh, kind of the uh, the next big thing coming off of uh, his betrayal of uh, Roy L. Dennis and Mask. Right, uh, he was so the studio's like, choice. Yeah, he was the studio's choice. They were like, get get this guy. He's going to be gonna a heartthrob. He, tell you what, 2015, we're all going to be remembering the 80s as one thing: the age of Stoltz. <laughs> and so, Zemeckis, you know, famously said that he went kind of, you know, no disrespect, to Eric Stoltz, but isn't it weird that he's most famous for like being wrongly cast in something? Like, I don't know. When you tell, when you mention Eric Stoltz to me. The kind of first thing I think of is like, oh, yeah, he was almost Marty McFly.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's definitely what I think, too. I I do think it's interesting that they've still never really released any footage of him. I
1: would. That's if I was ever in a position
0: to where, like, I had like a low
1: level like studio job, you know, if I was ever like a like a like a mailboy. Yeah. I mean, I'm a 23 year old man. I don't know if I'd be a mailboy, but (laughs) (laughs) mailboy. (laughs) Deliver this to Brett Ratner. Yes, sir. Uh, but yeah, no. Like I would
0: kill to find the Eric Stoltz footage just to watch it. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. Because it exists. There's no way they got rid of that. No, no. Uh, so about four
1: weeks into filming, you know, Zemeckis kind of has famously said like I went against my gut. I knew Stoltz wasn't right, but I, I just went with it because the studio kind of thought that they knew what was best. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stoltz gave a uh, you know like he was doing a tr- terrific dramatic
0: performance, but was too humorless um and well, so and he didn't even get the comedy moments like apparently he would like take Stoltz aside right and just be like hey so can you like fall down here and Stoltz would be like why would i fall down like because it's funny and he's like but this isn't a funny moment <laughs> <laughs> and, it's like... and it was just it was just like it was just the case of someone not understanding the concept of the movie at all or yeah it's not, or just not right just not getting thing. it yeah and so, you know, whereas, you know, you look
1: at Marty, you know, look at Michael J. Fox and he sort of has this natural comedic presence. Right. Where like, you know, you want to hey, you, you want to like go and get like a like a soda with him after school.
0: Yeah. You know, it's weird. And I mean, this is a weird comparison because in in so many ways are they not alike. But sure they i watching watching this um especially you know minute by minute and really like analyzing sure. um analyzing what makes Michael J Fox work as an actor um in this movie i get a really big chris pratt vibe oh definitely yeah Pr- where chris pratt like everyone likes to compare chris pratt to like han solo and all of these like really like actiony characters but it's like well that's just you're just saying that because he's got muscles. But the reality is, like, Chris Pratt has more in common with Michael J. Fox than anyone else. Yeah, definitely. Where he he's like, you know, you want to see Michael J. Fox. You
1: know, Michael J. Fox is, like, your friend from school. Right. Or, like, your boyfriend. Or, like, the boy that you have a crush on. Right. And, like, you know, if Chris Pratt wasn't, like, an Adonis.
0: Right. Which is almost kind of a, it's almost kind of a tragedy. I don't know. I, I have a lot to say about... Well, the whole Adonis thing—that's that's just like <clears throat> modern films. Yeah, and right that now. sucks. That
1: it's like, oh, he has an eight pack. Now we can believe him as a as a as a like a leading man.
0: Right, right.
1: Where it's like we kind of lost that whole like I don't know. Like it'll come back around.
0: It'll, it'll come, come back around. Yeah, yeah. yeah by time, we're the
1: time by the time we're making movies, it'll be uh, yeah. So, so like uh,
0: regardless regardless of of the eight pack of it all, I feel like Chris Pratt is sort of this generation's Michael J. Fox.
1: Yeah, where it's like and it's a really underrated form of acting, where it's like, you know, people all the time are like, oh, Michael Sarah plays the same guy in every role. Mm-hmm. Oh, like Michael J. Fox is playing himself. But that's such a that's a skill in of itself. Because acting, you know, so many actors try to like cake themselves in act character makeup y you know what I mean? Like, I'm an actor. But right. to just be like Oh, geez, stop! This is heavy. You know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah. that that that's a very underrated skill.
0: Yeah. Well, and, I, I think too, uh, and I'm sure we'll talk a lot a lot about Michael J. Fox over the course of this. Um, but he's in a lot of the movie. Yeah. Um, but he there there's a difference between you know being the same in every movie, but like being the same in every movie, but believably. You know, yeah, where like, there's never a moment like between Back to the Future and uh, Doc Hollywood and like the Frighteners. Ties and Teen Wolf um, <laughs> <laughs> or even never... like or even
1: like the Frighteners or like Spin City. Yeah, or yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, exactly. All of those are just Michael J. Fox being Michael J. Fox. But Michael J. Fox sort of like bent through the prism of this character. Yeah. And like, it always you know,
1: works. Like in Curb Your Enthusiasm, it's like, what if he was a dick? Right. Um, and yeah, and so, so, you know, Stoltz leaves and, uh, back, so they were able to work out something with the Family Ties producers. Fox loved the script, but, um, there's also this really kind of cool anecdote where he was, uh, you know, Zemeckis and Gale were always very quick to speak highly of Stoltz, despite him being miscast. And, uh, yeah, and so, yeah, so he, you know, they finally got their guy, and, you know, the movie the movie sort of everything clicks because of him you know like every everyone else gets to sort of be at their best because like Fox is kind of playing the straight man to them but not a not like the straight serious man but he's sort of he he's reacting to everyone else's strangeness yeah uh speaking of strange uh the next credited actor uh sir Christopher Lloyd Sir Christopher Lloyd. As uh
0: Dr. Emmett Brown. Yeah. Yeah. He had just he'd kinda just done taxi before this, right? Did you know who you know who the first
1: choice for uh for Doc
0: Brown was? No. John Lithgow. That That's really funny because that makes so much sense. And I've actually thought about because you know, there was that there was that threat of rebooting the Back to the Future franchise. Sure. Um like a few years back, there was like a threat, like around 2010 or so. There was yeah. the threat of rebooting it because they they were talking about getting, possibly getting another Back to the Future out around this time, you know. Mm, yeah. And I I had always thought like, ah, oh, like what would what would you like? Who would you cast in that? Like what? Like who could possibly play those roles again? And the only character, the only actor that I thought of that I was like maybe was John Lithgow as 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 Doc brown so that's interesting that he was you know the it'd be toy- a
1: solid you know it'd be a solid doc brown um hmm. uh, this is so weird and like but but think but stay with me imagine okay so they remake okay they do the worst thing anyone could ever do and remake back to the future yeah imagine getting like emma stone as like marty mcfly or like you know what i mean
0: oh yeah but then imagine like sam rockwell as doc brown Wow, oh, that'd be interesting I I think he's too young right now. Yeah, sure. That would have to be, like, years from now. But that's interesting. That's certainly interesting. Or, like,
1: uh, Albert Brooks. Albert Brooks. As himself. (laughs) Albert Brooks. I built a time machine.
0: (laughs) Tastes like an orange foot.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's hope that's not the next time that we bring him up.
0: Uh, that's uh,
1: the, uh, I most underrated
0: Albert Brooks movie. Uh,
1: yeah. Um, f- f- fun fact about, uh, about, um, Christopher Lloyd, doc, about Christopher Lloyd, uh, his, uh, six is a uh, kind of notable doc Brown hunch was a result of his, uh, him being six, one to Fox's five, five, and they needed them to look kind of closer in height, which is where like the hunch comes from.
0: Yeah, that's, a, that's, that's interesting. Cause uh, there's another, there was another height problem that happened as a result of, uh, uh, the Eric Stoltz to Michael J Fox change. Um, yeah. but we'll get to that uh I think next week actually. Okay, yeah. Um but it's a it's an interesting one cuz what a what a crazy alternate 1985 that would have been. Mm-hmm. Um so is that it? Is that all we got for this minute cuz we've have, we have we have talked for almost an hour about this minute. About 1 minute. Strap yeah. in, guys. That's not going to be the norm. Let's, let's get, this just has a lot of pre-information going on. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, yeah. These episodes are supposed to be like yeah, tw- 20, maybe 25 minutes. <laughs> so hey, we're doing our own thing with it. Yeah, that's, I guess that's true. We'll see how it goes. Um, so that's it for this episode. Come back tomorrow where we're going to be talking about minute two. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at BTTF minute. Or you can go to our website and leave a comment at www.backtothefutureminute.com. I don't know why I said the www. I just read it and then it came out of my mouth. Uh, Everyone knows that that's how the internet works. Um, (laughs) So backtothefutureminute.com. Check that out and uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us reviews because we really want – to uh you know sort of jump in head first into this thing especially with the 30th anniversary uh happening like right now um we want to get as many eyes on this thing as possible so leave reviews on itunes tell people about the show uh you know follow us on twitter get other people to follow us on twitter all that stuff get people to uh, listen and check out the show if you like it um and uh We will talk to you tomorrow. Bye.